Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Kidlit These Days, a new podcast from Book Riot pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. Join hosts Karina Jan Glazer, author of the Vanderbeeker series of middle grade novels, and me as we examine the intersection of current events in children's literature. Recent episodes have focused on LGBTQ Pride Month and trans representation in queer children's literature demystifying the hijab and speaking to children on the danger of hate-laced speech toward Muslims, and the border wall, one Idaho school's staff and their alarming choice of Halloween costumes, and how a group of Latinx authors stepped in with an offer few would refuse. Each episode features a special guest, a curated book list, and a whole lot of bookish banter. Tune in at bookriot.com listen and click on Kidlit these days, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We got to spend a, kind of a lot of time with Jason. Yeah, yeah, Jason's great. I mean, they're all awesome. Uh, everyone at Lee and Lowe is so um, smart and funny and uh, very, you know, fun to be around and, and cool. I hope you get to meet them. Yeah. Well, it'll be it'll be even more fun to be at a happy hour with them, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll all be getting along fine. <laughs> yes. How can something so good really be so bad? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 520. Today I'm welcoming Megan Lacerra and Jorge Lacerra to share Zombies Don't Eat Veggies. In their debut picture book, readers meet Mo, a zombie and chef with a taste for cuisine his parents, quite frankly, find revolting. But this isn't exactly a story about picky eaters or about food aversions. Instead, Lacerra and Lacerra share a story of feeling outside of one's culture and how to reconcile that. I think you're really going to connect with Mo, and I just know you'll connect with Megan and Jorge. And because the book is being printed in both English and Spanish, a whole lot more readers will connect with Mo's story as well. Please welcome my guests, Megan Lacerra and Jorge Lacerra, author and illustrator of Zombies Don't Eat Veggies. Hi, my name is Megan Lacerra. I am the creator of Zombies Don't Eat Veggies, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, my name is Jorge Lacerra, and I am the illustrator and co-creator of Zombies Don't Eat Veggies. My pronouns are he, him. 
and I'm noticing that you have the same last name. <laughs> and I'm going to assume that it's something to do with how well you work together. <laughs> it's a total coincidence. We it just happened to work out that way. <laughs> I met this guy in my critique group who shared the same last name as I did. And I thought, we should make a book together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'll be easy to write our names. No, we, right. we we are married. That's right. <laughs> it does put you in a really easy spot in the library, though, when the names are both the same, because then I can alphabetize by either of your name, and it ends up in the same spot. See, it's that was all part of the plan. Since... I mean, I really do like seeing Lacera Lacera on the spine. That's pretty fun. Lacera <laughs> squared. Yes. That's great. It really, um, I mean, then you could really go for the distance and like, you know, name your kid Lucera and then just like go all the way and be like, is it our child's name or both of our last names? I mean, but that... I digress. You, you have this amazing picture book debut. And I really mean that it was one that um, I, I found myself taken by surprise that I just loved and giggled throughout it so much <laughs> zombies don't eat veggies i am a person that loves a good pun but <laughs> i gotta say you were like whomever either of you both of you were extremely well tempered in this book and just like nailed it in a way that i'm just gonna call out i guess let me just call out other books not by name because I'm nice, okay. but there are other books that are like really punny, which are adorable and cute, but you can't reread them. Cause like, once you get the joke, you're like done with it. And okay. it's really sad that every time you read it, it's like, uh, what's the economics law of diminishing returns where upon each read, you're like, that's eh, yeah. kind of cute. But I'm telling you legitimately, I have not only read your book to my children multiple times, because my four-year-old especially thinks that seeing all of the, um, I'll call them zombie delicacies, yes. <laughs> especially yes. the bowl of fingers, um, is just the greatest thing. But I also have read it to literally my entire school, uh, K oh, wow. through five, because we've been in the last weeks of school. And so we chillax together and we just read books and enjoy time together. And so I've read it to all of them and I still love reading your book. And that that's magic right there, Megan. That's magic right there, Jorge. I don't know how you get to that, but I love that you get to that. Also all of my Spanish speaking children correct me constantly. That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) Please, I'm not going to say it right. I am relying on you to help me out with the Spanish. Yeah, Jorge corrects me, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kai, our son, corrects me. So, I mean, it's like a circle of trust. Um, it is. Very good. <laughs> a circle of accountability. <laughs> um, no, that's so wonderful to hear that you've read the book and that it's connecting with kids. That's awesome. And also that it holds up to multiple readings. <laughs> I, I always think that that's a cool thing because it, it, maybe it works differently for different readers. But I know personally that there are books that I have loved reading over and over, even in that baby phase for both of my children mm-hmm. where you're reading it literally every night. And there are some books that you just don't tire of maybe because they are written by Mem Fox or something. I don't know, <laughs> but um, there are just some that, that know how to hold up and others that are really great for a moment, but, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just am grateful that, that, that your book has has that quality and i think it's it's wonderful but here i am talking about a book that we haven't even like properly introduced to the people listening megan (laughs) would you mind introducing to folks just 
you know, you're like elevator pitch book talk. What what is zombies don't eat veggies? <laughs> what is it? Um, what I mean, <laughs> what is this thing beyond <laughs> beyond the title and the fact that it is you know bound to thirty two pages in a nice hardcover. <laughs> Well, it, Zombies Don't Eat Veggies is about Mo Romero, who is a zombie kid who absolutely is totally in love with vegetables, um, everything about them. But his family and his world, they are they are not allowed to like vegetables at all. They're totally um, off the table. <laughs> so uh, Mo must go about uh, finding a way to convince his parents to love veggies the way he does. How How's that? Is that- <laughs> How is that? I was just say, how do you then bring to children? I mean, this is exactly probably why it has that reread ability that you're you're not always just talking about veggies. You're you're talking about like what does the world say no to? But your heart says it, it feels so good. How can something so good be so wrong? Right? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Babe. No, I mean, I think that was sort of. Um, one of those magical things that happened as, as the story was coming together, it, you know, I think you never really intend to have, I don't know. I, I think there's themes that emerge as a book is written. And that was one of the core ones that just sort of jumped out at us one day as we were putting this thing together. Um, Megan is an excellent, so back to just briefly circle back on the puns. <laughs> Megan is the pun master um, of our household. And I just, I'm, I'm really glad that I just like let her, I give her permission to be as punny as she wants to be. <laughs> um, and in this book, I just Dangerous. encouraged her to just continue and go and just go crazy with them. And I'm glad she did because, um, it ultimately made the book so, so funny in a, in a unique way, but the theme emerged, um, you know, puns are great and jokes are, are great, but once that core story started to emerge and leap out at us, it was just a matter of, um, streamlining it um, and thankfully we had wonderful a wonderful editor at Lee and Lowe Jessica Echevarria who also understood our vision and um, helped us polish that um, and bring it to light as well as our our agent John Cusick yeah it reminded me so much too of I guess just bringing it back to my childhood that that was my connection that I was feeling the I I always delighted in going to those birthday parties or I mean Halloween parties but all those kinds of food related parties mm-hmm. where you've got just like gross foods or good foods, but pretending to be gross things like the peeled grapes that are disguised as eyeballs or the, you know, whatever other silly gross things. I'm so glad um, you did those. <laughs> oh, so I mean, yes. all of them. Cause we love all them. Of, I think why we I said love. birthday party too, is it was reminding me of, there's this novel called the big one O where for the kid's 10th birthday, he wants to do like a gross out birthday. I feel like the author's name is Dean Pitchford. It's been a while since I read it though. But, um, but that notion of having parties and having lights low and everyone being squeamish because it's typically around Halloween or something. Mm -hmm. And so you just do those like weird um, fooling your senses kinds of things. Um, But here it's never done as as much as you maybe this is why why the comedy lands so solidly in the book is that you're not you're not presenting it as comedy you're presenting it as mo's world in mo's world right this is the food that he creates and so naturally being the chef and taking pride in his work he would want the food to look like things that the rest of his family likes to eat 
but also <laughs> be the thing that he wants to prepare. It's kind of like the Top Chef thing, isn't it? Where yes. they have the kid challenge and they're like, how can we get kids to eat cauliflower and uh, I don't know, arugula or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. To- and so glad that you said chef because that is, you know, it's, it's that Mo does love vegetables, but he loves cooking and gardening. It's really everything having to do with the vegetables. And we do watch a lot of these, you know, like um, uh, cooking shows. What's that one on Netflix that we really like? The um, Chef's Table. Chef's Table, where everything is just such an art, you know? Mm-hmm. And you, you watch the... Have you ever seen those, Matthew? Chef, Chef's Table? I have seen not only the original documentary, which is... Have you seen the sushi movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hero yeah. Dreams of Sushi. Yes. Phenomenal. And then, yeah. and then the team made what now four seasons of chef's table amazing amazing documentary yeah they're just they're so like i don't know like meditative and beautiful and just amazing and those definitely like sort of influenced us throughout it like how do you just almost become one with this food and that's how we imagined mo being that it was just that important to him yeah and and then by contrast it's also the food is also important to the zombies themselves the family the zombie cuisine um clearly (laughs) it's it's supposed to be kind of obviously over the top gross um but it's also there's care right um that was put into preparing this food it's not just like uh you know a slop that's like you know plopped down you know there's 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 this care that goes into the food that he does not like Mm -hmm. so um it's this contrast um, that we really wanted to, that we hadn't really seen in any in books or or, in, or narratives. You know, we we thought like, well, that's hilarious. The idea of you know, kind of um, sophisticated zombies coming together yes. and sharing a meal, and then that also kind of mimicked my upbringing. You know, I I grew up, um, I was born in Colombia, and I grew up in a family that spoke predominantly um, Spanish, and we ate a lot of Colombian foods. And some Colombian foods are delicious, and I eat them to this day. And other ones, I just can't, do not want and have anything to do with. <laughs> um, and so I think that was also that something that played right into it. You know, um, there's this dish that that's made with tripe, um, mondongo. What's tripe? Tripe is like uh, like intestines. Oh, okay. Cow, cow, right? Yeah, cow intestine. Yeah, that's like kind of um, I don't know. They process it somehow, and it's like okay. it's supposed to be like a delicacy. And um, you know, my parents love it, and they've tried my entire life to get me to like it, and I just again, I do not. I'm not into that. <laughs> Can't do it. But it does sound fun though, Mondongo. Mondongo, so. yeah, it's fun to say. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds really awesome, actually. <laughs> it does. Right? Like if I saw it on a menu, I'd be like, "Ooh, yes, I'll take yes. five Mondongo, please." <laughs> I know. And if you watch the Anthony Bourdain, um, where he goes to Colombia, he has the Mondongo, and he's chowing down, and he loves it. So, I mean, it's a dish. Mm-hmm. It's it's a you know, it's definitely got its fans. I'm not one of them. Well, and we all have different taste buds too, right? You yeah. hear that. As well that we 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 food tastes different to each of us, so you know that 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 food just didn't taste the way to you as it did to your parents. Exactly. Absolutely, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of history also tied in with it. You know, my my parents being um, from a different country, I think coming to the United States and finding a place that made good mondongo was sort of like a way of remembering mm-hmm. um, Colombia and their youth, and so. I don't know. We tried as much as we could to put some of that into the into the book. The the family is bilingual. They speak both English and Spanish, and the dishes themselves are inspired by um, Latin American foods. So, I think that was also something that was really important for us to kind of express in the book. Can I say something that feels odd, Jorge, to mm-hmm. say about a book about zombies? But I also <laughs> noticed that the and I, 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 this is just weird. Like 
you know, I'm a librarian, so kids are always asking about books with zombies. So you end up starting to know all the books with zombies right. and books about ninja or book, whatever. You just like start to know these picture books, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they're all located all over your library. Um, but one thing I noticed about your illustrations is that the um, the family all has different skin tones. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so interesting. That like, I mean, why wouldn't they? But they wouldn't because in all of my experience in all zombie things I've ever seen, they're all just like the same color. So <laughs> it was just the detail that, that you took care on. And I think it's those moments that, that stand out much like the way that you both presented Mo's food as something that, that, that was important to him. Not just like, Ooh, this is a chance to really gross out our readers, but no, like this is what you, you wouldn't, no matter what a child makes and presents to you, if you have a child chef at home, you, you never want to portray that as like, Oh, look at this disgusting thing. My kid tried to give me because they cared about it. And it is art to them. And in the eyes of the parent, I mean, my, my kids made some stuff that I'm like, this is the most beautiful drawing I've seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think it's because you made it child. <laughs> Gifted son of mine, call the MoMA and let them see your call art. The MoMA. Right. <laughs> That's a know. great catchphrase. Call the MoMA. No, but yes, right. Yeah. But, but that 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 attention is just. Well, do you mind if I read a, a part of your book in particular? I, I, I I'm thinking of um, just the way that we're introduced to Mo and his his aversion to mom's cooking but their aversion to his cooking is it okay yeah. if i read to you please. yeah please please <laughs> i was gonna ask i never want to be like present like it's your book i know that it's i guess technically it's out in the world so now it's like technically we all all of us readers have like part ownership in it but yeah. still okay so it goes like this the page that i'm gonna read from goes like this mo's mom and dad did not love vegetables not one bit veggies were yucky disgusting Que asco. I've been told to say it that way. Am I close to it? Am yes. Close? Yes, you're close. <laughs> okay, continue on. Continue on. All right, moving on. They, <laughs> they were not allowed at the Romero's dinner table. Ready to chase some humans in the marathon next week, Mio? Zombies weren't supposed to eat zombie cuisine like brain cakes, brain stew, and brain and bean tortillas. Most parents insisted that their niño eat only zombie food. Finger foods, Mia Moore. Gracias, I'm not hungry. I love that. Look look how nonchalantly, Megan, you just drop zombies are supposed to eat zombie cuisine. You know, like, like if we replace that with our language, kids are supposed to eat kid cuisine. Like, what does that phrase even mean? What is kid? That makes no sense. Why are you not eating your kid cuisine? Like brain cakes, brain stew, and brain and bean tortillas. <laughs> It's got all the brain in it that you need, Mio. Come on. <laughs> it's loaded up here. It's loaded with brain. It's loaded with brain. <laughs> That's a, that took a, actually took a lot of time trying to figure out how to say the zombie food, like, without being too, I don't know, too gross. Like, I, I don't know. Remember, it took a lot. Of, like, how are we going to say zombie cuisine? And is cuisine too much of a word? And yeah, I don't know. for sure. Like, I think once like we, I think once we realize that it's, um, that there is a zombie culture. Um, <laughs> I was just ex- gonna say, <laughs> if you say zombie food, it it 
it like puts it on the same level as dog food and mm-hmm. that's not what it is there's, there's right. it's cuisine it's like what what you eat as a culture i completely agree with you i'm glad you said that i'm writing down zombie culture as we speak <laughs> <laughs> Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast, and now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit bharatbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the offer code READINGISRAD. That's Barat Babies, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S dot com. Offer code reading is rad. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. From making picture book dummies to character design to their submission-ready workshop, if you are interested in writing or drawing stories for children, there is a workshop waiting for you. Sign up today at storytelleracademy.com. <laughs> I mean, it's silly because it's a picture book, and you know. Um, but we, we once we once that happened, it, it kind of then informed the rest of the of the story, and then it made it to like, okay, we we're gonna ask the readers to come along on this journey and have to ask them to understand that there is a. Uh, zombie culture here yes. at play and that mo is outside of it and i think that that it feels outside of it, it feels outside of it right exactly um and then so then the then our our journey then becomes how do we reconcile that with mo um and we, we you know i don't know i, I feel like we, that was definitely the turning point <laughs> yes. i do matthew i'm like i don't know i got like a little bit emotional when you like noticed that jorge drew the different skin tones too because I mean, he did that's very purposeful, and that you notice that is is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, that did you want to say something about? It? You, well, I don't I mean, know. It's... That was like a big thing. As did you it were, did it start thing. that way? Like, okay, let me if we can just take a beat. Let me just ask: Did you both intend to do this book together? Like, yes. Did, did you? Okay, and then next step, Megan. Did you write the? Did you have a finished manuscript before? Jorge saw it or did you both kind of was the process more collaborative than that it, it was really collaborative I mean it okay. was yeah so it didn't have a finished manuscript um I, I had like bits and pieces and I really got started with Mo and it wasn't even about the food at first it was about a zombie who didn't wasn't sure if he was a real zombie because he was feeling you know that he wasn't doing these th- same things as his oh. other zombies were doing and so from that then like jorge came up with this character design and then we delve back into this the story a little bit more and he sort of storyboarded out some some spreads and then i wrote some more it was like really back and forth Um, you were doing world building together though yes and by both inhabiting that world as you were building i've co-written things before Mm -hmm. and i've had that great experience with with world building and how things just like light up when, when there's these ideas that, okay, so Jorge, I don't know. You're about to share with me when, when perhaps if you remember, you made the intentional choice to make Mo's family, I don't know, like multi zombie racial, whatever, however we want to call this, the skin Mm -hmm. tones look different. Um, But 
I've had those moments in writing too, where one of us writes something into the work where the other just goes, well, yeah, that totally fits the logic of the story. We didn't even have to like ask the question. It's just what makes sense. So I'm to hear that, that before we, before we jump backwards, Megan, you were leading into just that that's what seemed to be the fit. Um, And so Jorge, maybe can you talk for a moment about, do you remember making that choice? Do you remember in the illustrations when, when that quality came out? Yeah. I mean, it came. um, So typically when I do these sketches and for a long time, the book itself existed as black and white and the, the characters existed as sort of black and white sketches. And um, I think it came when it was the first time to do color, a color rendering of the family. Um, I'd always known that in, kind of internally that they were obviously, I mean, they're speaking English and Spanish. And so they're kind of a blended family, a mixed family in that sense, um, racially. Uh, and then I just, um, I was strongly influenced by <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, um, the, the zombie <laughs> movie. Um, and uh, as a kid, when I, well, as a kid, I mean, when I was in high school, when I saw that movie, um, it was so weird because the zombies in that movie are like these weird hues of like blue, you know, they're like kind of, it's this very strange choice. It's very seventies and it's supposed to, I don't know, indicate decay or something. And I think culturally everyone sort of accepted that as being the way that zombies look. Um, But then I took it from there. I always knew I wanted them to be this kind of, I I thought that was like a fun kid color palette to me, you know, I'm like, that's cool. Um, And so I knew that the characters are going to have some of that influence on them. But then, you know, um, like you said, sometimes things just seem organic. Um, my fam- my personal family, my mom, my dad have different skin tones. You know, my mom is, you know, has a different skin tone as my dad. And then our family, you know, our son has more my skin coloring than Megan. And that just seemed like the world that I grew up in, the world that we live in. And um, I just wanted to reflect that even in the world of the zombies. It just felt like it was the, the right thing to do, was the right, right way to approach it. And that way... You know, I'm, we're, like, like Megan said, I'm so happy that you that you noticed that because it's like we wanted to just influence the book, infuse the book with as much of those little subtle nods as possible. When you talk about culture, and I think that you're 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 hitting at at that when you make a choice like that, and Megan, you were hitting at that when you made the choice to make the family bilingual. There's just these mm-hmm. things that if we want children to see themselves in books, we have to remember that you're talking to these complex individuals that readers are extremely sophisticated mm-hmm. and they are really like when we teach them, they're, they're as smart as what you put in front of them. So if you dumb down an idea, then that's what they're going to get out of the book. But if you leave, yeah. if you make these vibrant word choices using not only words like cuisine, but like I personally, here's me nerding out with you, Megan. I kind of <laughs> want to know if in your like journal sketchbook thing, if you just have a list of like 90 zombie cuisine brainstorm ideas that you just picked from, because there's some, there's some names of dishes that feel really culinary, culinary, (laughs) culinary. If now, if I go to my shows, I know that I need to pronounce it culinary. Yeah, we. I mean, there are a ton of them, and I, I hope that we can use them in some other way some someday. Um, you know, but one of my favorites. It's not. It's not as Latin inspired, but we really had this one for Silence of the Yam Soup, and I just love, <laughs> I love that one. And so um, 
it, we the the image of it wasn't the illustration wasn't going to fit in the final one um and so we had to cut that one um but there's tons of them and then there's also you know we had to make this whole list because when we the spanish edition came out simultaneously and we had to translate the dishes and of course not all puns are going to work in spanish and so it was this delicate balance of can we find something that will will work um um, that we can find something that will make sense in spanish and so that was really fun and challenging too but yes we have a whole (laughs) whole list of these foods that um we must find a way most of your readers most of your readers right now are on summer break but what i can't wait for in the fall is i just believe because i work with children I believe that some librarian or some teacher is going to do an activity with their students where you make up zombie cuisines, where they just they are playing in your world, right? They are playing alongside your role as writer and your role, Jorge, as illustrator. And I would put money down that children are going to come up with multiple children will come up with ideas for dishes that are in that sketchbook that never saw the light of day and they're going to nail it. And when you share that moment that you, that they came across an idea that was like a, a an idea that didn't make it into the book, but that you share that together, that's going to be something really beautiful and it's going to happen because that's big magic that happens. Oh my God. Are you referring to the Elizabeth Gilbert book? Oh, totally. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's the muse that visits us all, and it it comes and it manifests in different ways. There's so much big magic that happens in in yes. children's books. Yeah. You have to believe when kids are making stuff and playing in that world that they are just as capable of tapping into that magic as 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 the author is, as the editor is. Absolutely. I think so, at least. Totally. No, I, I definitely think so. I mean, that's exciting. I, I love that. I mean, we, we got a little bit of fan art when, when the book, uh, it's, it's starting <laughs> oh, to trickle in and it's so awesome. It's incredible. You know, um, it's for them. I mean, it's sort of like, uh, I, I can't wait. Oh, of course. Yeah. We've got, you know, we've gotten wonderful ideas from, from kids. <laughs> I actually, my, my niece and nephew came by to drop something off uh, earlier today. And as they were driving off, they just kind of shot out a picture book idea at me out of their window with their car window. And I was like, <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> so no, yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah. And I, th- I think like back to, to sort of connect two things you said, like, I definitely remember as a kid when there was a book, you know, or something that was sort of talking down to me. And I, I, it was so frustrating. I didn't like that at all. And I, I I hope we didn't do that with this book, but we really thought about that a lot. Like we don't want to talk down to kids. We would want to be when we were, you know, uh, you know, in first, second, third grade, hopefully this book would, would not make us feel like, you know, some adult is, is talking down to us because we remember having our own minds and brains and thoughts and just like all of your kids do and every kid does. And um, hopefully, hopefully we did not talk down to them with this book. No, I mean, did I, you I hear that kids, Megan remembered having her own brains. Yes. You do have your own brain. <laughs> where this came from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> brain. My own brain. Something that makes you a little different from Mo, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to to just add to that, I mean, I remember just flat out rejecting the stuff that felt like it was sort of talking down to me. And so, you know, yeah, I was like, no, I'm cool. I'm not going (laughs) to keep reading this. I'm done, you know, Uh, move on to the stuff that was a little bit more challenging or or more interesting. Um, So, I mean, kids know what they like, you know, and um, we wanted to make sure that as much as we could, we honored that like, you know, kid in us and make sure that they they got what they what they needed, which is also a kind of like a major, you know, um, 
impetus for us to do the book. Um, you know, there's obviously been times in our lives that Mo's journey is a journey of a kid who's different from his family. And I think Megan and I both came to the conclusion early on that we ourselves have, are very different from our families, um, but ultimately felt accepted by them despite our differences. And so, yeah, that was definitely something I wanted to get across. Well, I think that as I picture you going into schools, I think that there will be a lot of children that will see themselves and will see their families in this book. Um, and also ones that, that will see their friends' families. I wasn't, uh, uh, I didn't grow up in a house, a multilingual house, but I had friends that did. And it, it's neat to, to be thinking about, oh yeah, that's a house like, like my friend's house. I also mm -hmm. think that not that this should or could be done with every single book, but this is a really, really fun book for a school to prepare a visit around. You just have, like, it brings me back to, as I was saying, like the, with the birthday parties, it brings me back to, ooh, Megan and Jorge are visiting our school. Let's make them a tray of really like disgustingly awesome <laughs> foods, finger foods for them to enjoy. Uh, it's just, awesome. it's, it's neat to invite them into that world. So I thank you for, for not only the world building that you two did together and also the way that you pulled off the book, but, but for leaning into um, respecting your readers and, and creating or, or protecting space for them to have, to have space in this book and to see themselves and also to, to play in your story. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Oh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. I, I think you actually did read it. <laughs> I can tell. I mean, a, a couple times. I might have been corrected over and over about pronouncing certain words, even sometimes when I'm like, I know I'm saying it correctly. The thing you said was exactly what I just said. Why are you doing this? <laughs> but but um, I, I also, I've said this about other books before, but I also love... Um, books that give me a little bit of of butterflies when I'm going to read them aloud because it is so important to me that I honor my Spanish speaking students and that I do try my very very best to pronounce words the right way that matters a lot to me because I because it's it's not my language but it's an important language and it's especially important to them this is that circle and they are important to me therefore the way I read to them those mistakes matter a lot to me. I got to be really careful. So I, I yeah. love that my kids continue to teach me. And I mean, you know, any chance that I get to have, especially when I'm reading to the fourth and fifth, I just, at some point had, okay, I need three people to play the parts of zombies. Come on up and <laughs> read the parts while I do this. And it, it was fun to be able to, it's just fun to, again, to play, to be in that world with them. And that was all you, you left that space for us. Thanks for Thank that. You. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> this feels like a really nice time to to wrap up our conversation. But more importantly, I know we've talked around these children, but I want to give you a chance to talk directly to them. So let me first say, Megan, Jorge, thank you for joining me. I really appreciated our time together. I really appreciated the giggles, but also the 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 depth to what we were what you are expressing in your book and what, what we got to say about readers tonight. Thank you for that. Thank you, Matthew. I mean, I, 
I was joking, but I wasn't joking. Like we really can tell that you that you read this book and that you really did read it with your kids on on multiple layers, and that's that's really meaningful to us. So, um, thank you for taking that time with your students and with yourself. And we really appreciate it. Um, we really appreciate you kind of taking in the book in the same spirit that we created it with. So thank you. Well, I'm going to see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Megan, is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes. Um, My message to your kids would be that you are important and what you love and care about is important. And no matter whether that's accepted by your friends and family or not accepted, please accept it yourself. Um, It really does. It really is important. Thank you. Jorge, is there a message I can bring to them from you? Yes. Um, So when I was a kid, um, a nerdy kid growing up in South Florida, I really loved comic books and graphic novels. They became my one of the key ways that I learned to speak and read English. And if you're a kid out there who loves comics and loves graphic novels and you have people maybe around you and you're hearing kind of stuff that's telling you that that's not valid or not reading, please don't listen to them. Find a way to keep reading those books, keep engaging in them because they, they did a lot for me and I know that they will for you. This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. 
That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.